Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Rap Sheet. I'm Thomas Edwards, a veteran crime reporter who's covered some of the most gruesome homicides and darkest mysteries to plague Texas during modern times. And I'm Florence Edwards. Hello, everyone. Today, we're continuing an examination of one of the most notorious cases of mass murder in Central Texas so far in this century. In the end, the episode culminated in a face-to-face meeting between myself and convicted killer Paul Gilbert DeVoe III as he sat on Texas death row. DeVoe, a former painter and handyman from Suffolk County, New York, with a mile-long rap sheet, relocated to Marble Falls, Texas in the early 2000s. Marble Falls is a picture postcard town on the banks of the Colorado River in the rolling Texas hill country about 50 miles west of Austin. However, on the night of August 24th, 2007, that quaint image was turned upside down when DeVoe stormed into a popular watering hole on Main Street looking for his ex-girlfriend, Glenda Purcell, and ended up gunning down popular bartender Mike Allred. Allred, A 41-year-old Army veteran was shot at close range in the chest when he tried to stop DeVoe from opening fire on Purcell, who was also in the bar. And that was only the start of the carnage. Over the next four days, until DeVoe eventually surrendered to police on Long Island, New York, on August 27th, he would leave a trail of bodies in his wake. Six victims, including two teenage girls, during a cross-country crime spree that took him from the heart of the Lone Star State to the outer edge of the U.S. East Coast. Welcome to the Rap Sheet in today's episode, One Man Crime Spree, the story of Paul Gilbert DeVoe, Part 2. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Rap Sheet. Thanks for giving us your time. Well, let me give you a little background before we get started. By 2006, Florence and I had left our respective newspaper jobs in San Antonio, Texas, and journeyed 86 miles north to the town of Marble Falls, where we helped manage the River City's Daily Tribune, an award-winning but small daily newspaper. That's where I would eventually cross paths with the predatory individual who called himself the Wolf. Before Paul Gilbert DeVoe and I met, however, the barrel of his gun would claim six victims. Let's remember them. Mike Allred, 41. Paula Griffith, 46. Her daughter, Haley Marie Faulkner, just 15. Haley's friend, Danielle Hensley, 17. Griffith's boyfriend, Jay Feltner, who was 48, and Betty Jane DeHart, 81. So by 2007, uh, DeVoe had racked up 49 criminal charges over 26 years, ranging from credit card abuse, theft, to child endangerment and multiple driving while intoxicated allegations. 
a large number of arrests and some convictions stemmed from attacks on women, including his girlfriends or ex-girlfriends, and several had sworn out protective orders against him. In one case, in a Marble Falls park, often frequented by families and their kids, DeVoe was accused of dragging a woman out of her car during a drunken road rage incident. Prosecutors during DeVoe's trial painted a picture of a man who would start dating a woman, sometimes move in with her or stay with her, then descend into drinking binges fueled by violence. While that factors into our story today, DeVoe told me during his prison interview that about a week before his killing rampage started, a rattlesnake bite coupled with heavy drinking may have affected his judgment and clouded his senses so badly he couldn't remember all the murders. Law enforcement and the victim's families never bought this excuse, though. What we do know is that sometime before 8 p.m., August 24, 2007, Sharon Wilson, a friend of DeVos who let him stay on her Lano County property in return for some construction work, caught him stealing money and a credit card from her purse. That led to an argument. Early reports said DeVos held a gun to her head. Wilson said DeVos just snapped. DeVoe shot up her place but let her live, warning her he still had two bullets in the weapon. At one point, when he demanded Wilson call his mom on the phone, DeVoe held the gun to his own head. Later, DeVoe told Wilson not to get into her blue pickup, which he stole and raced to nearby Marble Falls. Then, at 8.11 p.m., DeVoe stalked into O'Neill's Sports Tavern on Main Street in Marble Falls, which was located adjacent to the police station. He had told a friend over a mobile phone that he was going after his ex-girlfriend, Glenda Purcell, and then her parents. When DeVoe entered the bar, witnesses said he found Purcell, shoved the gun against her head, and pulled the trigger several times but the gun failed to fire. As Purcell and other bar customers began to run, DeVoe replaced the ammunition clip. Kingsland resident Mike Allred, who was working as a bartender, rushed to Purcell's rescue and tried to talk DeVoe out of harming her. Instead, he was fatally shot in the chest at close range. DeVoe got back into the stolen truck and raced away. It all happened so fast that the police next door had no idea what was going on. DeVoe escaped. Wow, that's horrible. But that was just the beginning, right? Yes, and we'll talk more about that after a word from our sponsor. Sooner or later, everyone wants to own their own home. And even if you're not ready for home ownership just yet, it's great to find that perfect rental and settle in. If you're looking for a place to call home in the greater San Antonio area or central Texas, you can't go wrong with Anita Reeves and Amberson Realty. Anita is also a property manager, so that's a plus. Rated as a coveted five-star real estate agent, 
Anita puts the emphasis on service to clients, not sales. She has a solid knowledge of market trends as well as building and construction needs. She believes in straight, direct communication with clients, and she genuinely loves helping others. To find the home or rental that's the right fit for you, give Anita a call at Emerson Realty at 210-590-9101 or 210-825-0652. Again, those numbers are 210-590-9101 or 210-825-0652. Anita lives by her motto, if it's important to you, it's important to us. And we're back. So from Sharon Wilson's residence in Llano County to O'Neill Sports Tavern in Marble Falls, DeVoe probably sped down Farm to Market Road 1431, a long winding stretch of blacktop that runs through the hill country all the way east to Austin and beyond. Uh, it generally follows the contours of Lake Travis, one of the waterways created on the Colorado River to keep the state capital from flooding. During the spring, when the Texas wildflowers are in bloom, the shoulders of FM 1431 are bordered by seas of beautiful blue bonnets and these lovely Indian paintbrushes. Quite a sight. Because of the road's twists and turns, it is a popular ride among motorcycle enthusiasts. DeVoe raced along this road, which also ran past our house, in the stolen truck on his way to his next destination. Death rode with him that night. So where was he headed? To the home of another ex-girlfriend, Paula Marie Griffith, 46, who lived in Jonestown, a little place about 36 miles east of Marble Falls and just outside Austin. DeVoe was not a big man, well, big enough, about five foot eight, but that night his homicidal range cast a long, large shadow over the usually serene Texas hill country. So how did he know Paula Griffith? Well, according to police reports and court records, he dated her for three months a couple of years earlier. Those records stated he once told Haley Faulkner, Griffith's teen daughter, that he was, quote, in the Italian mafia. But really, no one I've ever talked to believes that. Griffith had worked the past seven years at Hill Country Water Gardens and Nursery. She was the office manager, and her boss called her the most dependable employee he'd ever seen. She and her daughter, Haley, 15, had a very close relationship, not only as mother and child, but also as best friends. They were described as outgoing, and the pair enjoyed doing outdoor activities together, often visiting a waterfront park at Lake Travis to barbecue, swim, and fish. But sometime between August 24th and the day their bodies were discovered, which was August 26th, they would have a deadly encounter with Paul DeVoe. They weren't the only ones at the home, right? No, they weren't. Griffith's two-story home in the 8900 block of Hobby Lane in Jonestown, not far from Lake Travis, and is where Paul DeVoe ended up while on the run from police. Also at the house with Griffith's boyfriend, Jay Feltner, who was 48, and Danielle Hensley, who was 17. She was Haley's best friend. 
The four were planning to head to Six Flags, Fiesta, Texas, and San Antonio over the weekend before school started that Monday and summer vacation ended. You know, we've taken our own kids and our niece and nephew to Six Flags, Fiesta, Texas. It's a fun place. And the four, Paula, Jay, Haley, and Danielle, were looking forward to the excursion. Well, who doesn't like to have a little vacation with the kids just before the grind of school starts, right? Except they never got to take this vacation. Danielle and Haley attended elementary and middle school together, and their friends and relatives said they were inseparable. Haley would have been a sophomore at Leander High School, and Danielle would have been a junior at Vista Ridge High School. During a memorial service, Danielle's dad, John Hensley, was quoted in various media as saying, Danielle and Haley were best friends. You couldn't pry them apart. They were the best, and they didn't deserve this. Danielle, I know she fought till the very end. What happened in that house? A bloodbath. According to an affidavit I reviewed for one of my stories on DeVoe, investigators said he went to Griffith's residence and fatally shot her with a 380 caliber semi-automatic pistol loaded with jacketed hollow points. He slaughtered everyone else, too. According to an autopsy, Griffith was shot once in the back of the head, probably not at close range. Her body had cuts and bruises on the face and legs, probably from when she fell. Her 15-year-old daughter, Haley, was shot in the right side of the head. Jay Feltner, Paula Griffith's boyfriend, was shot at close range in the left temple, and the slug entered his right arm, according to the autopsy. Danielle Hensley was shot at least two times in the head from a distance, though some accounts reported three wounds. Well, that kind of violence is just unimaginable. Yes, investigators said DeVoe then stole Jay Feltner's cell phone and used Sharon Wilson's credit card at a gas station on Interstate 35 North in Round Rock, which is a sprawling suburb north of Austin. He also took Paula Griffith's white 2001 Saturn station wagon, leaving Wilson's blue truck at Paula's Jonestown residence. He was headed back east to Long Island where he grew up, but the killing wasn't over yet. But what about Paula Griffith and the others? Her daughter, the boyfriend, and their daughter's best friend? Police were called to Paula Griffith's home on August 26th when, when Danielle Hensley didn't check in with her parents. Officers found all four victims inside the house, but by then DeVoe was long gone. Jay Feltner was found upstairs away from the others. Sharon Wilson's blue picket was abandoned at the house because DeVoe took the white station wagon, as I mentioned earlier. All their bodies were discovered two days after Mike Allred was shot to death inside the bar in Marble Falls. Unfortunately, there's more. Yes, but we'll get to that after the break. Sooner or later, everyone wants to own their own home. And even if you're not ready for home ownership just yet, it's great to find that perfect rental and settle in. If you're looking for a place to call home in the greater San Antonio area or Central Texas, 
you can't go wrong with Anita Reeves and Amberson Realty. Anita is also a property manager, so that's a plus. Rated as a coveted five-star real estate agent, Anita puts the emphasis on service to clients, not sales. She has a solid knowledge of market trends as well as building and construction needs. She believes in straight, direct communication with clients, and she genuinely loves helping others. To find the home or rental that's the right fit for you, give Anita a call at Amberson Realty at 210-590-9101 or 210-825-0652. Again, those numbers are 210-590-9101 or 210-825-0652. Anita lives by her motto, if it's important to you, it's important to us. And we're back. So we were discussing how Paul DeVoe shot up a friend's residence and stole her pickup. Then he went to a bar in Marble Falls to shoot his ex-girlfriend, but killed the bartender instead. He then drove to another nearby town and executed another ex-girlfriend, her teen daughter, the ex-girlfriend's boyfriend, and the daughter's friend. That's five murders, four of them in the same house, including two teenagers. And you say there's more? I'm afraid so, Florence. DeVoe wasn't finished with the slaughter, at least not yet. As we mentioned, DeVoe stole Paula Griffith's white Saturn station wagon in Jonestown, and apparently he began having car trouble when he reached southern Pennsylvania. Investigators believe he was driving on Interstate 81, which passes through Franklin County in Pennsylvania on the border with Maryland, as he made his way back home to Long Island. He stopped in Greencastle, Pennsylvania on August 26 to deliver yet another death sentence. Oh, wow. That's got to be more than a thousand miles from Marble Falls. Well, you know, I did one of those little mileage checker things on the Internet. Supposedly it's 1,526 miles or 22 hours using Interstate 40 East to Interstate 81. He must have been driving like a bat out of hell. From what investigators can tell, as DeVoe fled the MERS in Texas, he may have actually fired at two people during a failed carjacking in Tennessee. Not ready to give up yet, he took his first exit in Pennsylvania and turned onto North Young Road, a no-exit rural street in Greencastle, Pennsylvania. According to a New York Times article from August 30, 2007, which quoted court papers, DeVoe indicated he drove down the road and the article said he saw an older female sitting on a porch in a nice vehicle parked in the driveway. The car he spotted was a 2006 Hyundai. So who was the lady? The sixth and final victim was Betty Jane DeHart, an 81-year-old retired seamstress who made her three children promise that she would never have to live in a nursing home. Very independent. She was described as quiet, and her son-in-law, Jim Chilcote, told a New York Times reporter she was the first person to help someone, but the last person to ask for help. She was energetic. She mowed her own lawn. She pruned her trees. 
She liked to tend to her flower garden. And the Hyundai was a present from her daughter and her son-in-law to replace a 23-year-old Mercury on its last legs. And DeVoe just picked her at random. Seems that way. John Nelson, the district attorney at the time for Franklin County, Pennsylvania, said in the New York Times story, it was just a random situation. He was looking for a vehicle because the vehicle he was in was having problems on the road. Other than that, there's no rhyme or reason for this. That's terrifying. Just to be sitting on your porch when a complete stranger shows up and decides to kill you. Yes, according to the New York Times story, DeVoe told investigators he drove to the end of the road, turned around, and returned to Mrs. DeHart's driveway. Well, you know how it is out in the country. When you know everybody and you see a strange car go by, she must have suspected something was wrong. Well, you could be right, but it wasn't enough to save her. Again, from the New York Times story, this is what DeVoe related to investigators. She jumped from her porch swing and ran inside, trying to close the door. But DeVoe forced his way in, chasing the 4'11", 92-pound Mrs. DeHart to the back bedroom. As she screamed, DeVoe told investigators he feared the neighbors would hear her, so he shot her in the head. He found the car keys, took $6 or $8, and fled in the Hyundai, driving to Shirley, New York. Does the killing ever stop? Yes. Mrs. DeHart was the last victim to die at DeVoe's hands, number six. To make a long story short, on August 27th, after taking refuge in a friend's house in Shirley, Long Island, DeVoe surrendered to police as a tactical team made its approach. DeVoe was from Brookhaven, which isn't too far away. Eventually, DeVoe was indicted on two counts of capital murder in Travis County, Texas, the home seat of Austin, specifically the homicides of the teen girls Haley Faulkner and her friend Denise Hensley in Jonestown. Now, Travis County Assistant District Attorney Gary Cobb told me before DeVoe's trial started in 2009 that the other homicides he was charged with would play a role in the sentencing phase of the trial. During a pretrial hearing in State District Judge Brenda Kennedy's court, which was on a motion by DeVoe's defense attorneys to suppress certain statements made by Suffolk County police officers when they arrested DeVoe, one officer testified, DeVoe asked him, do you know how many bodies they found? Officer Kenneth Bombates also told the court, DeVoe said, I had a good thing going in Texas. One mistake ruined my whole life. Obviously, he was convicted. Oh, a Travis County jury deliberated only 20 minutes before convicting DeVoe of capital murder in the deaths of the two girls. In Texas, a capital murder conviction carries a penalty of life without parole or death by lethal injection. Today, DeVoe is 58 and has been on death row for more than 11 years. Now, the last time I checked, an execution date had not been set. DeVoe has tried to appeal his sentence, at least on two occasions that I recall, but the appellate court has upheld the jury's verdict. So you actually went to the Texas Department of Criminal Justice Prison in Livingston to meet DeVoe, didn't you? Yes, it's in southeast Texas. I sat down with DeVoe for about an hour in May 2010, 
for an in-depth story I was working on for the River Cities Daily Tribune and our internet TV station, Picayune TV. You can still find the interview on YouTube, and we'll provide a link once our website is up and running. But when I met this man, a man who at one time called himself the Wolf, whose savagery claimed six lives, and who led police on a cross-country manhunt. He was a far cry from the homicidal maniac I'd been expecting. By 2010, three years after the murders, he was shrunken, disoriented, and constantly fidgeting with his paperwork. During my interview with him, DeVoe even told me how he'd enjoyed math and science in school. I learned later from Texas prison officials DeVoe only completed 10th grade, but did get his GED. He also told me he had been reading a lot, including mystery novels and even the Bible sometimes. There were two important questions I posed to him. One was whether he had any regrets or remorse about what he'd done. How did he answer that? He said, I'm just sorry about what happened. I can't change it now. Hmm. What was the second question? I asked him if he deserved the death penalty. Let's listen to the answer in his own words from that Picayune TV interview. I think I should get another chance. And why just staying alive? Staying alive. Staying alive. That's, that's what it's be. That's what it's got to be. During the interview, DeVoe said that he shouldn't die by lethal injection, that justice is satisfied if he pays for his crimes by remaining behind bars. When asked about the killing spree, this is what he said. That's what I did, apparently. I don't remember that day at all. You know, the whole drive and everything, anything else. So he wants to live. Apparently so or at least when I last spoke to him. But based on the appeals filed on his behalf in the intervening years, the latest in 2018, he still feels that way. I've checked the comments section on your interview with him. Well, I'm not sure there's much sympathy for him out there. There is not. DeVoe was apprehended by the police, brought back to Texas, stood trial before a jury of his peers, was convicted and received the ultimate sentence, death. There are some who would say that's justice and others who would say it's just not enough. But either way, he's behind bars where he can no longer prey on innocent lives. So to me, Florence, that means this case is closed. Well, that's it for this episode of The Rap Sheet. Find us wherever you get your favorite podcast. And remember, keep your eyes and ears open. Be a force for justice. This is Florence Edwards. And this is Thomas Edwards. As always, we want to thank our sponsors, including Anita Reeves of Amberson Realty in San Antonio, Texas, Pixel Power Graphics, our creative consultant, Caitlin Edwards, and our guiding light, Camille Rosengren. The intro music for the rap sheet is by Marcos Peralta. To suggest a story idea, to give us feedback, or to inquire about sponsorships, email penpusher736 at gmail.com. That's P-E-N-P 
P-U-S-H-E-R-736 at gmail.com. A website is coming soon. Thank you.